Hi, I'm Lynn Hogan, and I'm the charge nurse for the Wellstar North Fulton Cardiac Rehab Department. I first met Cadillac Jack three years ago when he had his heart attack. I went to his room in the intensive care unit, and I held his hand as we discussed what just happened to him. It was very devastating. I then became his nurse when he came to the cardiac rehab department in my program. He calls me his angel, and he will always have a special place in my heart. We've become very close friends. I love you, Cadillac. I am proud to introduce Cadillac Jack, my second act. My name is Cadillac Jack. I joined Atlanta Radio when I was 19 years old, put in a very loyal 26 years until October 2019, and I was fired. So welcome to my second act. And my name is Donna, and I'm Caddy's wife. And I am at the point where I would, um, I would prefer, actually prefer to make out with Bernie Sanders than deal with this end of school stuff. I mean, it's insane. But Donna's just first week of February. For you, for anybody who's dealing with kids, it is waking up in the middle of the night and remembering, trying to remember if you ordered a yearbook. And you're like, am I going to have to stand in that line of shame over at the high school because I forgot to order my yearbook? And then it's planning for a field day. And if you have one who's graduating, which we did two years ago, you're like ordering your yard sign and you've got to commit to the banner up at the front of the neighborhood. How how is that done? The graduation banners? Does it come out via an email to all the moms? Because I've never gotten the email about the graduation banner at the front of the neighborhood. I think it depends on what neighborhood you're in. But like ours, we everyone there was someone who was kind of like in charge. And then they is reached... Is that like a self-appointed role? Yes. I bet it is. That you don't want. Um, and that you're voluntold. And then you, you know, everybody gets together that has like a graduating senior and you have to figure out where is your kid going to college or not. I mean, it's kind of, it's you know, we've talked about this. We've talked about this before that it can get a little tricky. Well, it did for us two years ago with Will, <laughs> right. our son who's now 20. Right. We didn't totally commit to the banner because right. we're not quite sure he had totally committed to graduating high school. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And you know what? Like the sign, that goes, <laughs> our commitment is based on your commitment. So the sign that goes in the yard, we like leaned ours against like the Japanese myrtle. You know what I mean? Crepe myrtle. We're we, like, we didn't push it in. No, because grass, we didn't want to like ruin our sod. grass. Yeah. We didn't want to ruin our sod if he wasn't we really going to make it. Right. Yeah, exactly. At <laughs> the front of the neighborhood, Will's name was like in Velcro. Oh, okay. It was like one of those things that we could have, um, we could have ripped off. And then it, there was like a big question mark emoji or something where it said, where are you going? Right. What's cool? Everybody okay. else says, Georgia, John Hopkins, wherever. It's kind of an opportunity to brag. For people to brag. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Or that's shame. It's, about. it's kind of public shaming in a way. I'm not, I don't, I'm kind of torn on these graduation banners. I have to tell you, I think that I know everyone says, Oh, you know, it's, it's your one chance for, if you have a child that's going somewhere and you're super proud, but at the same time, kids nowadays are under so much pressure already. And it's kind of like another way to like publicly rank kids on, you know, when people are literally just driving by your neighborhood and see someone's name, they're like, oh, it's not a very good school. Oh, I think that she could. You're very been. judgmental, even if yeah. you don't know. Her. Like, oh, I always thought she would go to a better school, you know. And I mean, I don't know. I think it's it's great. It's an opportunity to, again, 
you know, as con- a proud congratulate them on what they've achieved, but at the same time, kind of like public humiliate them. And, and I don't know if you remember this, but when we had, when our kids were younger, right now in public schools, it's all about the standardized testing. Because I swear, from the time you come back from Christmas break until you get to spring break, that's all they talk about. And I remember one time I told Will that he was all freaked out. Oh, this, this is a very good story. Well, he was freaked out about the standardized testing. And I think at the time it was called the CRCT. I think now it's milestones or maybe even something different. But he could not sleep at night. He was, you know, worried about it. And I finally said to him, I said, well, it doesn't matter. Your grades don't matter until you get into high school. So try your best. You know, do everything you can, but this pressure is ridiculous. And he went to school and he told them, he told the teacher, he told the principal. That you told him. Nothing matters. I don't have to worry about anything (laughs) until high school. I remember that. And they, they kind of at a parent teacher conference, they were like. Alluded to that. Yes. To your misstep. (laughs) They were like, I don't know that I would position it that way moving forward. I saw on social media last week where, you know, it's all pictures of kids dressed as old people for the 100th. Is it 100 day? 180, right? 180 well, days. The celebration last week was for because they hit the 100th day. Yeah. So even though you say the school year is basically over, there's still 80 more days. Yeah. In the typical school calendar year, I think it's 180. I'm not sure. I think it's so cute when you see the kids and they have like the little mini walkers and the tennis balls on the end, like on the walkers, and they have like little wig, you know, wigs on and pearls. So cute. I have changed my mind and I'm super excited about the fact that I'm getting a wisdom teeth pulled. Here's why. Because you know this, uh, this is a Wisdom really... tooth or teeth? Well, we'll talk about that in a second. Because I get anesthesia. I love anesthesia. If I could have an anesthesiologist, is that right? Anas- yes. Anesthesiologist? Anesthesiologist. Live in our home okay. and put me down like a horse every night, I would do it. Because this trazodone, I'm kind of like, after a couple of years, I have like a little tolerance to it, I think. Okay. But imagine it is the best sleep you could ever have. And so with we went to go see an oral surgeon about my tooth, which has been killing me. And we knew that there was a cavity. And we knew it was a, a wisdom tooth. I say, how come you just fill it? Just fill it like you would any other tooth. But they're not wanting to do that. They're wanting to pull that one. And two others now. Donna at the consultation bidding day says you should get all three. I don't have four. I just have three. You should get all three taken out. Well, because we went from one to three in a matter of fifteen minutes. I, you know how I'm. I'm. I'm just. I, I don't know what I'm going to do about this one that I'm feeling. The other two aren't bothering me. So why do we have to take them out? Because, as he said, eventually, just like this one, they're going to cause problems. They will cause problems. And I mean, why not be? Although you seem to have an affinity for anesthesia, why not just go down it. one time? I mean, why go under one time? Because I like going under. Okay. But it's much more expensive too. Right. You don't talk if, if you're listening right now with your kids and they say they want to be a teacher, that's very admirable. Send them to medical school to become an anesthesiologist. Yeah. Screw the whole teaching thing. Okay. Send them to anesthesia school. Well, that's medical school, but yes. That. I know they come in you and cut do a the check work. directly to him. Right. For the anesthesia. Or her. Or her. Like there's no insurance involved. Like he no. he's he or she is making cash. Mm-hmm. Money. Every time. Well, my favorite thing about... There were, so now I'm in. I'm very excited. Oh, good. Well, here's the thing about the appointment. You had the nerve 
to tell the doctor that I was in horrible pain and had been. And it's a pain, Donna, that, that starts in my upper right molar where my, my wisdom teeth is up in that area where the wisdom tooth is. And then it goes up to my ear and I hear ringing in my ear. The pain is so great. And then sometimes it even goes up towards my brain Stop. and I feel pulsations. Stop. Stop. I do. I do. And suddenly I get a headache. So out of this tooth now, I can't hear and I can't think. This has become ridiculous. I mean, seriously. And what makes me so mad, I had a pretty severe cold, which I'm still fighting. Now you've trumped me. You've somehow come around and trumped my sickness with your tooth. It's back again. But this is my favorite thing that you said to the doctor. You said... I think the pain I'm feeling is probably the same as like when a woman gives birth. I just looked at you like, are you kidding me? It's that bad. How do you know? Have you given birth? I haven't. Okay. But I can't imagine the pain. Right. So Think you about what happens during compare. that process. Which? The tooth or the birth? The birth. It's, and then compare that to having three wisdom teeth pulled. I think it's pretty comparable. I've had both done, and it's nowhere near comparable. Trust me. Trust me. And they cannot see me for a month. They're busy. For another month, I'm going to have this debilitating pain. I'm going to have problems hearing, more so than although I have selective hearing. I'm going to have problems thinking because of this tooth for another month. Imagine the money we're going to have to spend on a leave. In Advil, because I, I have for the past month, remember, this has been going on for a month prior, and now it's a month until surgery. So it's a two-month period. I'm I'm eating a leaves like Pez right now to the tune of eight, ten a day because it gets so bad. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to throw up. It's that bad. Well, and everybody recognizes when I go into one of my attacks. I call them attacks because they are. And it can take a minute to turn it around. If something hits that spot, Mm, that and nerve. you're too, oh my gosh, you jump mm -hmm. and it, you shut your eyes. This is going to be a clench. long, long month. You clench everything that you have. Okay. You clench tight. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I just cannot. Because you have to, you have to allow the pain, that poison to be removed from your body. Okay. Are you done? Horrible. Another month of this. Yeah, think about it. Of the who, who's having the it makes me makes me just as weak as a kitten. Yeah, well, who's having to take care of you? Who's having to deal with this? And I'm thankful for that. I really am. <sighs> I've never really, I've never suffered. I, I, I maybe I'm sure I've had headaches before, but nothing like this. A toothache or no? I mean, and, and they do hurt. I'm not like minimizing that, but this is this is you are now at the stage of what the young kids call extra. You're extra. You told me the other day I couldn't say that because it was so last year. That's my it, thing. I'm it, the one that says don't be extra. People have been saying that for a while. You're late to the party. Sheila Hicks lives in Milton. Mm -hmm. She was kind to send us a text. 770-464-6024. 770-464-6024. You can leave us a voicemail. You can leave us a text. And um, Sheila basically wants to know about preparation for the podcast. Loving your second act. Donna's amazing. <clears throat> I was so sad in July when I got home from vacation. You were gone. Uh, want to know what you do to prep for your podcast. Do you have a run of show? Interesting that they know that that Sheila. Do we know Sheila? How do they know that verbiage? I don't know Sheila, but I mean, everyone who's listening, doesn't it sound like we're just incredibly prepared and <laughs> ready to go here? What are you all talking the time? about? Well, I mean, it's just funny. Yeah. 
do you have a run a show and then see where it naturally goes or just wing it? You need three a week, not just two. Congratulations. From a fellow Milton resident, Sheila Hicks. Hashtag, hashtag left on red. Yes. How do we prep? We not, sit, not a lot. Not a lot. We sit at the kitchen table. And we literally probably the night before and we we know generally what we kind of want to talk about. Um, And there's a lot of stories that organically just come up in conversation. I can think of like out of the last couple of podcasts, just, you know, stories about cowboys or things that used to happen when we were talking about Travis Tritt and everything. Some of those stories are just organic and literally come to each of us as we're sitting here talking. But we generally have two or three topics that we want to kind of talk about. And then we obviously every um, every podcast want to include listeners, you know, text and like calls Sheila. like Hicks. Sheila. But um, I don't know. You know, you're the program director. That's you're right. the you're the sales manager, Ops guy, mm-hmm. consultant, coach, consultant for what? Like for what the you, podcast for the con- talent. Who's okay? So you're consulting yourself. I, I'll do that, but more. I've been hired to consult you. Oh, I yes. didn't know that. Okay. But you're a rock star. I've who, had so many who people say. Who hired you? Uh, you did. You just don't know it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Daddies, remember that we talked about that period in our lives where things would reverse because you were killing it when, when we married. You made three times as much as I made at the time. And then it kind of flipped and I was flipping back. But oh. You're making all the money. I hope it flips. So you way. hired me as a consultant. Okay. But it. Um, we don't want to know what the other person is going to bring. And so we come up with just very short bullets and three, four topics, one which will probably drop because we do get off task and telling those stories that you're talking about. Um, and then we each break and kind of make our own notes on the, 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 and we do call it a run a show shield again. That's I've always, that's been my thing yeah. with any form of morning show that I've been a part of for 12 years. It was an ROS. Here's the ROS. Here's the run show for the day. And it would be much more detailed than what we have going on here. Obviously, you're listening. Well, and there were more hours. I mean, we only, that's part of the challenge is sometimes we, you know, we, we, we don't want to run over and over and over. So sometimes we don't get to things and we'll get to them the next time. But, you know, we try to keep it interesting. I don't know what your hype song is going to be. You don't know what mine's going to be. Yep. Um, so there's uh, not much Sheila prep put in the podcast, but we certainly hopefully, hopefully it sounds like it. <laughs> we appreciate you shooting us a text at seven seven zero four six four six zero two four. Okay, so Chad Water. <laughs> All right, Chad Waters from Waters Insurance in Cumming, Georgia, reached out and he said, "Can you tell me on the podcast how you got your radio handle? I thought it would be on the Evolution episode, but it didn't." I didn't hear it. And I love the show. And that came, that's come up quite a bit. People have asked me in social media, like, how did Cadillac Jack get to be Cadillac Jack? So. When my rabbi, Steve Stewart, found me, Zeus, we mentioned him before, but he was the guy that really kind of took me under his wing when I was in high school, when I was working at an AMFM station and said, you can do it this way or you can do it this way. So. He, he formed and, and taught me a lot. He formed kind of my personality and, and, and we kept in contact. I flunked out of Western after two years, pledge antique. And Steve App reached out to me one day and, and on the phone and said, Hey, what are you doing? Kid blemish. I got a job for you. And I said, well, things aren't going well here. So I'm going to go to Myrtle beach um, to take a job that, that Steve had pitched me at a country station. And part of the deal was your Cadillac Jack. Now for 12, five in a traded apartment, they could call me whatever the hell they wanted to. 
and I'd have done it. Back in that time period, though, novelty radio names like that were a big deal. Um, you know, if you hear someone named um, Moby, well, well, Moby rhubarb would be yeah. local examples of that. Catfish, whatever. You know, Catfish, James, or whatever. We've always said this. One of the things that I think is really interesting about having kind of a novelty name is sometimes people think that you're much older than you actually are because of the era of time that those names were given. You know, then probably coming in, I would say, to the 90s, maybe even later. It was crazy zany radio. Yeah, but after that, Jock started using their real names or some form of their. I mean, it might be... Jim, whatever, or you know, Mike Richards in the afternoon, yeah, or or Bert, you know, Bert or whatever. I mean, people would use their own names, you know, even if they weren't like the most radio friendly name. But um, it, it's so funny because every time people say to me, they're like, "What do you call him?" And I'm like, "Well, it depends Everything. on the day. It depends yeah. on the day." But a lot of people call you Caddy. They shorten it from Cali. Most people call you Caddy, but um, it's hard to get away from that name because for 25 years, that's what you're known as. You can't just all of a sudden switch over, you know, to another name. And, but it is, I will say, I think in a way, and we've talked about this, sometimes it has hindered in this current radio environment. It does sort of hinder you sometimes from, if people aren't familiar with you out of market, they think you're much older, you know, than you are, but there's not really anything you can do about it. And funny enough, we won't go into the, all the details, but one of the stations that was interested in you during the period, um, you know, after your non-compete. But they had a personality named the same similar thing. And that the person left before you, and you can't have two of the same named people. Well, you can. But it's confusing. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's if the price is right, you can. But that's very confusing, you know. And there's a gaming company in Gwinnett. Yeah, I'll tell that story if you don't mind. Uh, there is a, um, you know how you go in the, the, the really small, smoky, Tinted window convenience stores every now and then, and there's four people in there smoking on a cigarette butt. They've already smoked the cigarette. They're on a butt now, smoking it, and they're playing those gambling machines. Those people where you win like free scary. Nikes, a scary, or a sticker collection, or something, um, or an STD. About yeah. <laughs> about six months after I got here to Atlanta back in '94, I was 19, and the station wanted you know Kicks wanted to keep Cadillac Jack, and so about six months after I got here, I was going to go trademark the name. And the gaming company in Duluth had just come to town and I, and they trademarked it. So I couldn't get to it. Now, where did they come up with the name Cadillac Jack? Do you think? Hmm? Is it, did they trademark Cadillac Jack or Cadillac Jacks? Cadillac Jack. Oh. Singular. And probably plural, but I was, I did good question, but I just looked at the, the, the singular. Well, I've had a lot Cadillac of people Jack. ask me if you, when you left, how you got to keep your name. Because I came into Kicks in 94 with the name. My contract said this. I know you're rolling your eyes. No, I'm getting like, sweaty palms. Exactly. Hang on. No, this isn't. The contract said anything that, that I bring in to our relationship, which continued for 26 years, belongs to me. Anything that was introduced, developed, brainstormed, brought to the air after I was a Kicks employee through several owners, but my contract always transferred. Um, the deal was that 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 property, intellectual property, as it's called, remains the property of the company. Which is why people ask all the time, we can't play. Can't be can't caddy. Be caddy. They own that. No, we can't play. You don't know Jack. And we will. And we're going to do that. Funny enough, it is also a 22nd 
pop culture trivia showdown. Right. Just like, can't, I don't know how that happened. Mm-hmm. They don't own the Plinko statement. They just own the name. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting. That's how the name came. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, Bob Chrysler came up with it, who was the general manager. He actually, the station owner of the station of Myrtle Beach, he was here, uh, was the general manager of Z93 back in the day. And then, um, got an opportunity to buy the station in Myrtle Beach and bought it and hired me. So he was also a consultant with Burkhardt Douglas. And so with Bob Chrysler, I got a general manager in Myrtle Beach, but I got a major market consultant too. Which is big. And he had a lot to do with the talent that I developed at a very young age. That's great. No question. That's a great question. Thank you, uh, Chad Waters. Glad we could get that one done. Why do listings expire? Why, why do multiple agents sometimes have your home on the MLS? Uh, I'll tell you why listings expire. It's because someone's not doing their job. Someone is not marketing your home the right way. Tracy Cousineau is an expert when it comes to taking over an expired listing and putting her own spin on it. She digs down a little bit, finds out maybe um, here's, here's what's missing, or this is what was wrong with your listing in the MLS. And you better be ready to move when Tracy Cousineau takes over uh, and partners with you to, to sell your home, because she's going to do just that. She's going to sell your home. <laughs> Don't, if you are just thinking about, you know, uh, relocating or, or moving Tracy Cousineau, not my, might not be for, uh, for you because she's going to sell your home and you can get up to 18% more money while selling your home with Tracy Cousineau, real estate expert advisors call Tracy Cousineau, one eight five five my expert 855 my expert or Tracy com. That's cousin with a what? An EAU, because you know she's going to sell your home. Susan Clark in Stockbridge. Why don't you take this one? So Susan says, Susan Clark says, I love, in all caps, the podcast. I do have a question. Just wondered if you would share about your heart attack and how your health is now and what you do differently. Health is good. Um, it was three years ago next month, March. Right. That it happened. Um, what do I do differently now? I do exercise. You're very good about exercising and specifically cardio health. And um, you try to eat different, easier said than done. I've not done a good job with that. I haven't. I'll admit that. Um, I, I do have you scheduled me an appointment. Did were you kidding about this or did you really do it? No, I did. With Dr. Backer, my cardiologist. Right. You, you just up and called and scheduled an appointment for this week. Well, it's time to go. So I'd been a bit lazy about that as well. Mm-hmm. And that's why Donna's here. As much as I want to push back, I would not have scheduled that appointment. I wouldn't have. Health is a funny thing, you know, when something tragic happens, you um you know, we were talking about earlier this on the last podcast about, you know, doing better about telling people how you feel about them. You know, it's it's like anything else. You start out really strong. It's like a New Year's resolution. And then it's sort of, you know, the further you get away from something, the more you kind of let it, you know, go down. And even something as severe as a massive heart attack, which the heart attack that, that I had, nine out of 10 pass. That's right. It's a widow maker. I was that one person that day. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about that day. It was like a normal day. You will start like Keith Morrison? Yeah. Do your Keith Morrison voice. It was a windy day in Milton, Georgia. 
William Choate is exercising his normal routine at the manor or country club just around the corner. From well, we have to live. start a little further back than that. Do we have to? Yeah. Because it's kind of... the. It all started with a piece of chocolate cake. No, it didn't. Well, it may have, but I mean... Well, yeah. but that's what guests, I love. We both love Keith Morrison. He's my hero. So, it, no sweeter words on a Friday night can be said than, here's Keith Morrison. We need a new life, you and I. That's yeah. what it's become, but I'm fine with it, though. So... There's a, some ir- there's irony and there's humor and there's sadness in every kind of tragic story. But um, that day, I had a doctor's appointment. Oh, that's right. I met you there. You know, the radio station is still right there at Glen Ridge and Johnson Ferry near 400 and very near all the med- the hospitals, Pill Hill, as it's called. Right. And you had a doctor's appointment there. Yes, I was the day of my heart attack, and I I, I met you there. Right. And so. Down the the doctor was, you know, you came over because we, we wanted, you wanted to be there and support, which was so nice. And at that time you were not great with doctors, needles, any of that. Always been my biggest fear. Right. And so that my doctor, my potential doctor was going over the procedure and what it would entail. What was the procedure? And I'm not going to go into that, but it was, um, and tingle, which I didn't get. So please, if you're looking at anything on like, Social media, do not think that my doctor failed me. Tuck I ended tickle. up not getting anything done, tuck and tickle-wise. So, um, I was there just, we were. I was just investigating. So he was talking about this procedure, and you, I look over, and you're sitting in a chair, and you've curled yourself into what could best be described as like a fetal position. And you're like, oh, you have your hands over your ears. And that my your doc- body, your muscles start to ache. My doctor was like, when you think about it, your husband really does not like doctors. And I'm like, no. So anyway finish up with the appointment but he's making fun of me he's really picking at me because i right. am in the i'm not john is not kidding i was in the corner and you know how they had the one chair one chair in the exam room i was in that one chair and i just i start to it's kind of like watching that show comes on after dr pimple popper my ankle hurts or okay. something you know it's just so crazy what they do to these people's feet and how ugly the feet come in and and i just i was kind of like when i watch that show i get all squirmy mm. i was squirmy in that chair that day donna because i just do not like doctors although i respect and love what they did and they saved my life at the time, though, I was absolutely perif- uh, petrified. Doctors and needles and blood. and All that. Uh, But I suddenly, later that day, became... They, well, en- I mean, they this entered was my a- life and, and have been with me ever since. This was 11 o'clock. So we left there, and I had to go downtown um, because I was working in Atlanta Magazine downtown. And when I say downtown and why it's important to the story is literally downtown by America's Mart by the Hard Rock Cafe, down downtown. And it was kind of a yucky day. It was rainy. It was just a nasty, and you know, it was going to be a nasty day all day. So um, you went home, and what did you do? You went and... To get exercise, at the time, I was swimming every day at the manor. They, uh, it was me and this older uh, elderly woman that were there every day around 2 o'clock, and she kept to her half the pool, and I kept to my half the pool. It was an indoor pool, so although this was March three years ago, uh, you could, I even was able to exercise and swim during the winter and you know, year round and I'm swimming laps and I suddenly feel a, I knew something had happened. It was almost like I felt a little tear in my chest and I was doing, um, what is that one? What is that one? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What, what is that one, Hans? Is it freestyle? Thank you, Hans. Okay, I'm doing my arms in the air. It looks like you're dancing, but, but yes. Okay. Um, and, and so I thought tai maybe chi? maybe I overextended. That was my first thought. Right. Um, and I pulled something. And I was not in any pain. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to get in the hot tub. 
or the the sauna the sauna and maybe it'll help me feel better well that's probably the worst thing that i could have done but again i didn't know i was having a heart attack so i sat in there for maybe five minutes didn't feel better don't recall it getting worse but it didn't get better so i felt like i needed to throw up and this is a a sign for men is heartburn and we're going to go over the signs there are many but heartburn is one of them and I've always had bad acid reflux. And I thought, you know what? If I just if I make myself sick, I'll feel better. And all this will go away. So I went into the locker room and tried to make yourself sick. Make that happen. And it wouldn't it wouldn't work. And I just felt this heartburn and heartburn and heartburn. I'm sure now we know it's it was heart pain. At that moment I thought to myself, Am I gonna call nine one one or am I gonna drive home? And I just I chose to drive home in my truck about three miles. We know now I was in full cardiac arrest at that time. Mm-hmm. But I was able to the roundabout wasn't there at the time, right outside the manor, but I was able to navigate home safely. And a couple of things about what what were going on at our house at the time. We were both, I mean, you had a really busy, obviously, full-time job. I had a really busy full-time job working downtown. We had a lady that was um, named Sarah who was helping our family out. And um, we have three kids, 20, 16, and 13. Again, this was three years ago. And... Um, our youngest, Charlotte, goes to school in Forsyth County, and it's, you know, it's kind of a drive. And so some afternoons, most afternoons, you were able to pick her up, but some you weren't. So we had Sarah to help us to, you know, keep this one's going to softball. Olivia wasn't driving at the time. This one's coming home. This one needs homework. And it just helped me out a lot, you know, not coming home to just complete chaos and helped you out, too. So she was home, and it was pouring down rain. And, and I, I walk in, and... I, I heard she and Charlotte in Charlotte's room. And so I go upstairs and I walk in and I said, Hey, you know, gave Charlotte a big hug and a kiss. And, and, and that was the first time I'd seen Miss Sarah for the day. And I was like, hi, how are you? What's going on? I'm, I don't feel hundred percent Sarah. I'm going to go lie down. And she looked at me. She said, no, you're not. You're not going to lie down. Something's wrong. You don't look well. And I was like, ah, no, I'm fine. Again, I'm in full cardiac arrest. Just don't know it. I'm going to go lie down. And she says, do you, you know, are you in pain? What do you feel? Anything that that's not normal. And she says, I'm going to call nine one one. And I said, no, you're not going to call nine one one because I knew that will and Olivia would soon be home. The bus is getting ready to come. And I didn't want a fire truck and a police car. It's a lot in the, in the cul-de-sac when they got home and for them to get worried. Um, and she looked at me, Miss here looked at me and she said, I'm calling 911 and you can fire me right now, but I'm calling. I went downstairs in a huff, sat down in the living room on the couch. And five minutes later, Milton fire and rescue are in our house. And I'm on the couch having a full conversation with the guys. I knew a couple of them just from seeing them around the, you know, the area, seeing them around the community. We're just talking and carrying on. And I'm sitting there in my, my, my swim trunks are still wet from swimming. And so they took me up, and at this point, it's again we're having conversations, we're laughing about stuff. You know, I'm probably joking about what a big deal this has become, and it's nothing. And they they hook me up to the EKG machine, and they run a quick one. And at that moment, the tone, and at that moment, the pace in that room did a complete reversal. Because they were able to transmit the test from our living room to Wellstar North Fulton Hospital. And the doctors there looked over it and said, this guy's in trouble. This guy's in trouble. 
and you need to get them here as soon as you can. So I say, hey, guys, again, I don't know really what's going on, um, but I knew that something had changed. And so they put me on a stretcher and are getting ready to take me out. And I said, hey, I got to grab my glasses. No, we don't have time. Okay, I, I got to change out of my wet swim trunks. Nope, we don't have time. We got to go. We got to go. They did give me time to grab my insurance card. Hmm. Right. Need that. But then as we're going out in the stretcher, it's rainy, as, as you said, and I can, you can see the lights all, you know, dark and foggy. And by this point, it's probably five o'clock in the afternoon and just a crappy day. And they loaded me up. And I remember going to Wellstar North Fulton in an ambulance and the entire way there, they were, I could hear the communication between the ambulance and, and the hospital because they wanted a constant update on our ETA, our estimated time of arrival. By this point, because I wasn't at home when it happened and because I was so stubborn, I was approaching the golden hour. I was about at 60 minutes at this point. And that is where with any accident or um, anything catastrophic that happens with your body, it you need to have it looked at, attended to, especially a heart attack within an hour. Well, and especially a widowmaker. Or your odds go your survival odds go down quite a bit. So when I get there, there was not even time. I remember it being controlled chaos because Wellstar North Fulton has two cath labs, two catheter labs. At the time, they only had one, but now we're lucky up here in North Fulton County, they have two. And that allows the cardiologist and the surgeons and the doctors to do a procedure, whether it's open heart, whether it is putting stents in, which I got three that day. Um, we're sitting ready to go in and everybody's yelling questions at me control chaos but they want to know if you recall my original wrist id said john doe they they didn't even know my name you didn't have a cardiologist there was no one to call because you had had no no prior history you had my family had no prior history either and you had a concierge doctor and had just had a stress test and an executive physical that took like five hours that i had every year clean nothing nothing at all and so i was kind of getting a little frustrated with all the the questioning and all the yelling and all that kind of stuff. And I said, listen, everybody who's in charge. I need to talk to one person who's in charge. And from behind this curtain, like the wizard and the wizard of Oz appears, Dr. Backer, Dr. Thomas Backer. And he said, uh, I'm, I'm the one that you need to, to, to pay attention to. And I need to know X, X, X. And I, I told him that. And he said, listen, he said, William, we don't have time to do anything. Okay. There's no time for prep, meaning anesthesia. Which you love. I do love. I love anesthesia. So what a disappointment of all times that I really needed it and wanted it. Right. Was when you're getting ready to have our heart surgery. Um, but because of the time we didn't have the doctors and nurses didn't have time for anything, we go into the cath lab. They handed you the phone though. Before me, I didn't know this until the other Mm. day we were talking about the story. As before I'm wheeled into the cath lab, they handed you it was a doctor's phone it was a nurse so kind of what was going on on my end while all this chaos is going on is i'm downtown working it's probably 5 30 at this point pouring down rain and i on days like this i thought you know it's almost better when you're downtown just to work later because traffic's so bad you know and sarah again who was keeping the kids called me and said hey where are you know have you left yet and i said no i'm getting ready to and she said I think Hyde may have the flu. 
um, but they, you know, have taken him to um, North Fulton as a precaution. And I'm like, well, if I'm honest, the first thing I thought is what? extra. I mean, like drama. Like why on earth Go is a, he going to the hospital for the flu? You think I would be transferred to the transported by ambulance to the hospital just to get attention? I don't really know what I thought. I just was kind of because it was it was so kind of weird now. I mean, just, you know, again, an average day you hadn't, you know, you had not felt bad. You had not, nothing had gone on. I had seen you. And so she said, you know, and I could tell she was worried, but she didn't want to worry me. And so she was saying, well, why don't you go ahead and, you know, just head to North Fulton. I'm going to stay with the kids and um, everybody's fine here. And, you know, you head on to North Fulton. So I got in my car and traffic is bumper to bumper. I mean, you know, and I'm watching on ways it's saying, but I'm not, you know, at the time, I think you have the flu or something. So it's saying, you know, or hour, being extra or being extra that it's an hour and a half, you know, two hours. And I'm like, oh boy. Okay. So then, um, the nurse called me from the OR room and she said, do you, I need to ask you a couple of questions. And she said, do you have an advanced directive? And I said, yes, but why would I need that for the flu? And she said, your husband doesn't have the flu. He's in cardiac arrest. And I, I mean, when I tell you like driving up 400, just trying to, it's hard to tell the story, but just trying to kind of keep it all together. I didn't know what to do. But what I did know is I can't get there. And so I thought, you know, my parents, you know, are elderly. They couldn't get there. Your parents were out of town. And I'm, and again, you're so, I didn't even want to call them at that time because I thought, you know, all I'm going to do is make everybody, you know, paranoid and I have no information. And, you know, people are going to want information. And so I called Tug. And I, you know, I called Tug and I said, listen, this has happened and I can't get there. Can you get there? And here's the crazy thing about Tug. Well, the amazing thing about Tug is he was working in Kennesaw. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm on it. And I said, you know, you may not be able to get there before me either. You know, and he said, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm going to get there. And he did. Tug, for those that don't know, is a lifelong friend of mine, one of my best friends in the world. And I met him through kicks. He was hired to join the morning show and it was Dallas, myself and tug. And it was there that we became thick as thieves and remain thick as thieves today. Yeah. And he and, did. And, and his wife, Laura and their kids. Oh, and he together. was amazing. I mean, you know, he went straight to the hospital and he said, you know, I said, I don't know that you're gonna be able to talk your way in there. And he said, well, if anybody can, and it's true, I can. So he got there and Jeremy, who at the time, Jeremy producer? Powell, who was your producer, him and his, um, at the time, wife, Megan, you know, went to the hospital and I, I got there. I don't, I don't remember the drive. I don't remember. I didn't call anyone other than Tug. I just gripped to the steering wheel, prayed and drove. You know, I did call some neighbors and say, you know, you're going to, can you go over and help with the kids? Um, I don't think the kids knew at that time, you know, it's kind of foggy. I have to tell you that whole, just the drive up there. But at any rate, I got up there and you had already come out of the procedure and we, you know, you were on a stretcher and I met you and, um, Dr. Backer and we all kind of prayed 
And he said, he, you came out fine. He, in, he put in three stints. He did tell me it was a widow maker. He said, you know, and doctors are very, um, I mean, he is so kind. And he was such an amazing person. I've said to a lot of people that that day, um, God and medicine intervened because we didn't have a cardiologist. And you were coming in as a trauma patient, and he was coming out. He was scrubbing out for the day. And they said, can you turn around and do one more procedure? You know, this, this gentleman's in cardiac arrest. And he was like, sure. And he's an amazing cardiologist. You know, and, and just, you know, his daughters played softball, the same place we found out later that the girls play softball. And just, you know, all these little things. But at any rate, they took you to ICU. And um, I just, you know, I remember walking in and just being like, you know, you and I always have, you know, you have humor when things are like, but like, really, you had to do this to get some attention, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, you had to take it to this level. But um, it was, um, and there's millions of people who've been in these situations, and you get these calls. But um, I will tell you, I, you know, we've joked, not joked a little bit about my anxiety on the last episodes, couple of episodes. That's honestly where my anxiety hit a peak and started. And now every day at like four, four thirty. I get kind of anxious or nervous and it's just kind of, you know, they call it PTSD and, and not in a joking manner that once you've survived something like that, you know, you, it, it kind of stays with you for a while. So you went to ICU, you had amazing nurses. I recall with Dr. Backer, someone, one of the nurses telling me that, that um, he was probably, what did they say? He was probably the most conservative cardiologist at the hospital, had hospital rights at, at Wellstar North Fulton. And I didn't know how that, what that meant exactly. But for a good reason, uh, Dr. Macker is just very thorough. What should have, what, what not should have, there's no rule about how long you stay in the hospital after, or for any, after any procedure necessarily, but a heart attack, it depends. There's so much that goes into that decision. Dr. Macker being a very conservative cardiologist, one, I think I was there like five days. And I remember telling him the day before, he discharged me. I said, listen, Dr. Backer, uh, if you do not release me by the end of the day, I'm going to call an Uber and I'm going to blow this bitch. Yeah, you were so ready. And we were so ready for you to come <laughs> Dr. Home. Backer, I don't think he knew. <laughs> He'd never heard that before. But I was so ready to go home. Yeah. I was so ready. to. I'd never been hospitalized. I'd never had surgery. I'd never been in a hospital overnight. And so I, I don't. I vaguely remember seeing you and Tug in the hall after I came out of the procedure, out of the cath lab. I very, very vaguely remember night one. Um, I do remember waking up the morning after and seeing you. And I, the night before, had scheduled all sorts of tweets based on the morning show. I had already done the run of show. We talked about that earlier. I had already done the RS, the run of show for the day, the next day. Of course, not knowing I was going to have a heart attack and not be there. And I had even gone ahead and, and scheduled tweets coming up before 810, you know, to hit at eight before 810, when front row tickets, Kenny Chesney. And so what happened that next morning started at five o'clock, all these tweets as the story was starting to get out that I'd had the heart attack. Right. My tweets are still going out when <laughs> front row, Kenny Chesney tickets. Coming so up people are like, did he minutes. have a heart attack or? Yeah. And I, I, I wondered how it, it got out so quick and it was John Rich of big and rich who out of concern and for prayers, someone had told him in Nashville mm -hmm. within hours of it happening. And John Rich was the one that, that, that tweeted it out. 
But then I remember the AJC trying to get in touch with me or the guy touch somebody from the radio station. We're like, well, wait a minute, is he tweeting from his hospital bed? What's going on? <laughs> and they're like, no, no. We're, and I remember Caitlin Henderson, who came that first night to mm-hmm. one of our former interns, That's now right. social media director at 680 The Fan, and worked with us for years at Kicks. Um, I remember they were trying to hack. Uh, Caitlin knew everything about me. Passwords, because she was a morning show social media director. And I remember stage management trying to uh, saying to her, can you crack, can you get into his and social media accounts tweets. and stop all yeah. the tweets? And, and they couldn't do that. Yeah, the doctors and the nurses were amazing. And the thing about ICU is um, at the time, Charlotte, who's 13 now, was 10. She was not old enough to go into ICU. Um, and they were amazing to let her come in, see you, spend time with you. You needed to see the kids. They needed to see you. And if you've ever gone through something like this with your kids, it was the first time that I came home that night and my kids were like, you know, is dad, is everything going to be okay? And I said, yes, you know, and I thought so. But then I went to bed thinking, I hope so. I pray so. You know what I mean? But it's hard to look at your kids and not be able to say, yeah, everything's going to be great. You know, it's a process. And you said to me before that during this period, in the beginning, you would go into your, your closet. I would. And cry and break down because you didn't I, want the kids to see you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot to think about, you know, there's some days when you're like, oh, God, he's driving me so crazy. Yeah. I bet there are a lot it'd, of be, it'd be I'm easier, sure. you know, like, oh, God, if he just get out of my way or whatever. But then when you're really faced with something like that, it's overwhelming to think about, you know, especially at 42 years old. And again, with no prior history, you know. It really came out of left field. I think that was one of the hardest things. I mean, it's all hard. But, you know, if you have someone who's dealing with a chronic illness, you, you, you learn. And I think your family learns how to deal with it. I think that was the hardest thing for the kids is that, again, someone who's perfectly healthy, it, it sort of shook the ground underneath them. That, I wasn't perfectly healthy by any means. No, stretch. but you certainly had never had right. anything of any major thing happen. You know, and and I think it really, I mean, the kids worried about you every, I mean, for a long time. I mean, to and this I, day, yeah. they still worry, you know, it carries over. It was also a very, very tough time mentally. If you've had, you, no one that has not had a heart attack can understand this. It changes your entire life. It changes your outlook on life. You were so close to death that it's it's very hard to grasp. And with that comes survivor's guilt for me. Right. Why am I that one person? Right. Why me? And also great depression. Great depression. I may have had it my entire life. Don't know. But the day of my heart attack you just start to question everything about yourself, mm-hmm. your worth. Why me played into it a good bit. Maybe even some, I mean, I don't mean this bad, but even some pity of I'm only 42 years old. And now there's things that I was exercising. I God, why right. I was, I was doing the right thing. I was exercising and trying to make myself better and healthier. And you're going to do this to me. I question my faith. Right. And, it was a very, very tough time to be at home, but there were so many people. You, number one, never, um, I never saw you sweat in that. Mm, I did, but 
that mean I'm a glad. Lot, lot to me. And 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 the kids are very supportive, and and we have great friends. We have a great network of friends. Oh, that was amazing. You know, we had so many friends, part. and they showed up at the hospital. I remember Mike Boucher and Tracy coming specifically, and just praying with us. You know, just you know, oh, literally over you. You know, you talk about <laughs> this is kind of we we've kind of joked about this before that you know how people it's it's almost become a cliche, especially with social media. I'm sending prayers, prayers for you, you know, prayer hand emoji. But then how many people actually do that? You know, how many people then stop what they're doing, put the phone down and go and pray. And I'm talking about hitting your knee praying. There's a different kind of praying. You know, there's general prayers and all of them are good. No judgment. But when I tell you that I hit the bathroom floor some days and like you said in my closet and just prayed, you know, and not, not prayed to do it my way, just, you know, pray, pray God's will, whatever's supposed to be. But I, um, my faith got stronger. It's interesting. And I know that yours, you know, sure. You know, you question things in the moment. Um, but yeah, we had amazing friends, a network of friends and neighbors who, you know, food and just love and support. And, you know, when you're working parents, you want to try to keep your kid's life exactly the same. You know, if there's a softball game, you want to be at the softball game. If there's something going on at school, you want to try to keep it all kind of copacetic. And we had these huge milestones that were coming up at the time. Will had a prom. I think it was senior prom, right? Junior prom. Junior prom. Junior prom. Charlotte had a daddy-daughter dance, you know, and... It was March. It was right after it was I think it was either before or after Charlotte's birthday. And you kind of once you cleared the the hump, you go back and think from that point on, you know what her birthday have always been this God forbid if it had gone the other way, you know, would her birthday have always been, you know, the other way. Sad. But um there's a lot of lessons, you know, that I took from it. Tell people every day you know, how you feel. And, you know, don't take a day for granted. Because you really, really don't know. And when people said, used to say that to me, I'd be like, yes, 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 yes. But it is so true. So true. Especially when something comes out of nowhere. Like a day literally changed in a matter of hours, you know. Our lives. Our lives. If, if every family member that we have. Yeah. Forever changed. I mean, I had to make that call to your mother. You know, your dad, if you remember, was in Mexico. And we couldn't even get, he was with um, on, with friends on vacation. And we couldn't really even kind of get a message to him. And we didn't want to, I mean, there again, you know, in the middle of all this, you're also thinking about, especially with parents and other people, you know, you don't want to ruin, and not ruin, but you don't want them worrying and so we were kind of metering metering out like what do we tell him versus you know is he going to be mad if he doesn't know and it was just oh it was a lot a lot but you came back bigger and better i didn't want to have this conversation i know i know because i think that once you have lived it and you've spoken it and shared your experiences and shared that men are stupid and we are very lazy and don't want to deal with doctors, don't have the time, whatever, whatever. 
sometimes we don't listen to our bodies and and sometimes we don't realize that there is a power greater than us and i think that goes for everybody but i can only speak for men my how about myself specifically right now how about myself and the reason really i didn't want to have a conversation like this is because while you do stay on the straight and narrow for the first year it, it as you, as you get further and further away from the anniversary of your your cardiac arrest or the anniversary of your heart attack or insertion of your pacemaker, whatever, the further you get away from it, the farther back in your mind well, in the rear view. Yeah. it becomes. And so much so, uh, sometimes it's not even a priority. Sometimes you forget. Mm. Sometimes you forget. Lynn Hogan, one of the first people I saw when I came to the next morning, I to this day, remain in contact with. You actually heard Lynn intro this episode. Lynn Hogan was there that first moment. She was the second person I saw after you. And and she was there on behalf of the hospital to talk about what happened, to talk about rehabilitation. And I remember, I think you left at one point. We talked for, you know, she was there for a while and we talked, but it was, um, we were overwhelmed. And, and I remember you were, you left the room to go do something. It was, it was Lynn Hogan and myself. And I remember breaking down. I'd never met this woman before in my life. And I was so emotional. Mm-hmm. I was so emotional that I was crying like a baby mm-hmm. in front of this woman who was sitting next to my bed. But to this day, I call Lynn Hogan, my angel. Mm-hmm. And we occasionally meet for lunch and I'll call her and I'll say, Hey, or text her. We're going to meet at the Longhorn right down from the hospital on Mansell right there at highway nine, the Longhorn steakhouse. And while I look forward to seeing Lynn, I do not look forward to going hungry after that lunch because you do feel when you're sitting there with the director of cardiac rehab at Wellstar North Fulton hospital, having lunch, oh, you can't, yeah. you can't go for the flows filet, hmm. the loaded baked potato, Ask for the extra bread. House salad, Thousand Island. Sweet tea, no. When you're with Lynn Hogan, you get a naked chicken breast on a bed of kale with a water. And sometimes you pretend like everything's okay. But you don't really know. Dr. Backer's appointment this week. I haven't seen Dr. Backer in too long, too long. I would not have made that appointment. I would not have gone. And I know that I need to, the further you get away from the date, the easier it is just to bury it in the sand and forget that it never happened. And I say, you but know, it can. it can, and 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 I know we've been sad today, and we didn't want this to be like a completely sad podcast. But it's hard to tell the story without being sad. It's a sad story. It's a heavy story, but there's, you know, there's so much light in it. There, there were the people, you know, the Milton, um, you know, fire EMT who came to our house who saved your life. You know, the guys who drive the ambulance in were literally going over curbs you know, um, rush hour traffic in the rain. There are amazing friends like Tug who show up 
without question. They don't say, boy, I hope I can get there. Traffic's bad. Are you sure you need me? They just go. So what I've tried to do is be that friend, be that person. And um, people ask us all the time, were there, again, what, were there any warning signs? Is there something you missed? And there really wasn't because you had gone, um, you had gone to the doctor and everything. But I do think um, the one thing that we have preached, and we've learned this from Wellstar, this is not something that you and I have just reached down and, and made up, um, get a calcium test. Because insurance does not like to pay for calcium tests on younger people, unless there is a history of heart um, disease or anything like that. That was the one thing you had not had done. You had had a stress test. You had had, again, a concierge physical, but you did not get a calcium test. So we really preach getting a calcium test. And I think the scarier tests are, colonoscopy, stress test, you put them off. You know, you keep putting them off. Don't do it don't do it. Get get the stuff done on the front end. And hopefully even God forbid they find something, then they can take care of it. I remember somebody coming in to visit and they were telling a story. And I said to somebody, I don't believe you. And the person said to me without thinking, I'm as serious as a heart attack. <laughs> and I'm sitting there in the hospital bed recovering from a heart attack. I know. It's moments like you, you, you do have to it. find, oh you my do God. have to find some comedic relief in, mm, in yes, any kind of tragedy that happens in your life, including cardiac, you know, a, a heart attack. Yeah, you need those moments. I'm as serious as a heart attack. Okay, hmm. I'm, I'm, ma'am, I'm the one with the drip in my arm. Okay, who now has three stents in his heart? Thank you. You yes. didn't even bring a gift. Thank yes. you. But that wow, that question originated three hours ago from Susan Clark, <laughs> yes. who lives in Stockbridge. Mm-hmm. And Susan, we appreciate it. We appreciate it very much. Uh, listen to your body. Don't wait. Don't wait. And mine was not a uh, Fred Sanford. Uh, I'm coming. Heart attack. It wasn't that at all. And there. There probably are heart attacks that happen like that where there's this pain and you're clutching your chest. That was not me at all. No. That was not me at all. I had no idea what was going on. And I had a conversation for 20 minutes with different people before it was determined that I was in cardiac arrest the entire time. So, And women present differently. It, it may not be what uh, what it could come in a different way. A, you know, a way that you don't expect. Yeah, definitely know. Definitely know your. Um, They're kind of like snowflakes. Each one's different. Oh. Each one's different, they say. All right. If you have a question or comment or um, uh, something on your mind, very easy for you to leave a voicemail. You can also text this number, 770-464-6024, 770-464-6024. Um, Lynn Hogan intro the episode today. Big thanks to Lynn. She is amazing. now, she was not at the time, but she is now the director of cardiac rehab for Wellstar North Fulton Hospital. Um, and she is still my angel. And uh, Alex Garcia was there in cardiac rehab, Susan and, and Lisa and Sandy. And, I do want to share the statistic with you. There's a decrease in your mortality rate after a heart attack by after uh, by up to 45% after you go to cardiac rehab. It's an elective. You're not forced to do it. Your insurance company wants you to do it. You should do it for your health, but it's basically um, supervised exercise and, and education for patients that have had some sort of cardiac problem. Yeah, it's a really important component to the whole thing. Up to 45%. And the decrease risk of future heart attacks by 25% if you go to cardiac rehab. So thank you all for what you do, and thank you for saving my life. Three things we'd like to ask of you. Pretty simple. Number one, hit the subscribe button so you won't miss anything coming up on Cadillac Jack, my second act. I was on the phone with somebody the other day who did not know how to rate and review the show. And I said, listen, you DM me your information right now. We'll take care of this. And we did. 
I don't. Yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll both reach out to you. Sure. And and ask answer your questions or teach you how to do something. Like leave a five star review. That's like dialing nine one one to podcasters. We will pick up that number and and get you to where you need to be to <laughs> rate and leave that five star review for the pod. It means a whole lot. And show our sponsors some love. That would uh, mean much. To us and also to uh, to Tracy Cusino, Real Estate Expert Advisors. Alan Jackson, February 14th at State Farm Arena, giving away stacks and stacks of tickets. And this week, um, a pair of tickets, if you have liked or if you would go like the Cadillac Jack fan page, I had to upgrade to a page so that I could connect with more than 5,000 people. And um, so like the Cadillac Jack page, I think there were 1,000 people that have made the transition from my profile to the page profile had 5,000. You can't go above that. Um, if you're one of those 1000, or if you can do that right now or sometime here in the next five days, you'll go into a random drawing for a couple of pair of tickets for Alan Jackson, state farm arena. Can we tell the story real quick about Alan? Yeah. Back in, back in 2008, his wife, Denise wrote a book about Alan and his life in music. And they're from Cowie to County. They went to high school together. Noon in high school. Yeah. They were high school sweethearts. Cowie to County. And so they had a book signing. I think it was a place called Scott's Bookstore on the square in Noonan. And Alan, listen, to boost Denise's book sales, swung by for the two-hour signing, which created just, I mean, for the two of them to be signing autographs, taking pictures in Noonan, Georgia, their hometown, Alan Jackson's a superstar. That was a really big deal in the crowd. It was controlled chaos. Yeah, It was indeed. And and I was down there representing Kicks, and Russell Smith, who worked with us at the radio station for years, is with me. And Alan's mother, Ruth, God bless her. She's passed now. But at the time, back in 2008, Ma Ruth was so put together. Sweet Southern lady. And so proud of her son, Alan, all of her kids, the twins and everybody, but so proud of Alan and what he had done. And I turned to Russell. We're standing on the square, on the curb there at the square in downtown Noonan. And I turned to Russell and I said, when do you think is the last time that Ma Ruth drove? And Russell didn't miss a beat. And he turned to me and he says, Ma Ruth hadn't driven since wanted which was alan's big hit that really kind of put him on the map and just yeah. sent him into a you know, country music stratosphere it'd been a while Ma ruth hadn't driven since wanted alan yeah. taking care of Ma ruth she's not driving anymore no not after wanted all right good time thank you for your honesty and yeah i mean our next one will be much uh much happier <laughs> my apologies to ben burnett we ran out of time you can check out his podcast the ben burnett show We'll try to rebook him here as soon as we can on Cadillac Jack, my second act, proud part of the Appen Podcast Network.